We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report, your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bearport. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usay Koshal. Usay, we were recording this episode on Wednesday, May 5th, following this past weekend with the 2021 NFL draft. It was an exciting weekend overall. And uh, yeah, with this draft here, you said, how are we feeling overall about just in general, you know, just how you're doing today? And then just how are we feeling about the Bears right now after uh, what seems to be, we'll get into it during this episode, but just a a very impressive draft weekend, at least in my opinion, for the Bears. I'm doing well. Weather's obviously been a bit better over the last couple of days, which is great. But I just think the draft overall this year was super surprising to me because there were, I mean, take the Bears out of it. You had a number of surprises, I thought. Now you had the Panthers and the Broncos double down on cornerbacks. And we saw two cornerbacks go in the top 10, which I can't even recall the last time that happened. And then also you saw within the top 15, really, there were a lot of major shakeups because you had the Eagles and Cowboys, two division rivals that rarely trade with each other, make a trade. And then you had the Giants that kind of, I knew for a fact they were targeting Alabama players, but once both the Alabama wide receivers and Waddle and Smith were off the board, it was almost like, okay, well, what do we do at this point? And then the Giants, it's like, okay, they gain an extra first round pick. 
by trading back with the Bears, but then they also got what a lot of people didn't even consider to be a first-round wide receiver in Kadarius Tony. And then there were other surprises like Travis Etienne to the Jags at 25. Rashad, or I'm sorry, Rondell Moore not going in round one like a lot of people thought he would. And then even the Raiders going ahead and drafting Alex Leatherwood right there in the first round ahead of guys like Tevin Jenkins. It was just overall a very surprising draft class in general. Yeah, that's what the draft is all about. All these teams had these guys very differently. So it's kind of fun to see how the rest of the league use these guys because, you know, we can go back and forth all offseason about, you know, thinking these set of players are awesome or are great here. And these set of guys, you know, should be drafted here. But, you know, as we find out in draft weekend, the NFL has a different opinion on a lot of these guys. And that creates some of the uh, best content, I think, in terms of comparing you know, what we think should happen and what actually happens here. So, I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, the Raiders, I mean, they did the classic uh, Raiders thing where they reach in the first round. Uh, it's just, it's yearly tradition, which I find just hilarious at this point. Uh, they always seem to go for a, you know, second to third round talent. Some point in the first round guy at a big program with a bunch of starts who has a low upside, but, you know, high floor, you know, one of those green grinder type of guys. I thought that was probably, one of the highlights of the first night, but obviously the biggest highlight of the first night, and we'll get into it here with our draft recap here, um, which will be the focus of this, today's episode here. The biggest highlight was the Bears, I thought, trading up for Justin Fields. Justin Fields falling in general um, to number 11 was just a surprise um, in and of itself, but uh, that was the biggest shocker, I think, uh, I, I, I think across the league. So, we're going to get into this right here. Now you say just transition to the rest of this episode, because it's going to be packed with a lot of content and um, going over these draft picks that the bears made uh, this past weekend, what this class looks like and what will, it will contribute here going forward. Um, but yeah, so for this episode, we're going to be going down these picks with the bears here, grading each pick, going over their process for each pick and just giving our thoughts on the class as a whole to kind of uh, give you guys what our thoughts are. So we'll start with the big move here. And that was, drafting Justin Fields, the Bears here, at 11 after he somehow slipped out of the top 10. Uh, the Bears ended up trading up with the New York Giants, which is, we talked about this in our live stream. You said uh, the Giants, you know, Dave Gettleman is GM. He never trades down. And it was like the perfect storm for to get him to trade down because the Eagles trade out to get Devontae Smith, like you mentioned, the wide receiver that they were obviously targeting at 10. And the Giants, they're like, well, instead of just sitting around and, you know, reaching for a guy like Kadarius Tony at at eleven, uh, we'd rather move back and get some extra picks there. So the Bears, they were aggressive here. They traded the twentieth pick in their draft, their first round pick, their fifth round pick, pick one sixty four this year, twenty twenty two first round pick, and a twenty twenty two fourth round pick to the Giants. Um, so, you know, quite a bit of a haul there for uh, this trade. Uh, if you look at some of the draft charts, you know, a lot of them see this as as an overpay, but you know what, for a quarterback, and especially a quarterback like Justin Fields, you said, I'd say it's well worth the price to go up and make this move. Well worth the price is the exact terminology to use. When you look at a lot of the teams and we look at the quarterback rankings, we have to understand that we knew Trevor Lawrence was a consensus guy number one in this entire draft class. And then there was a split between do you go Zach Wilson or Justin Fields at two or three? And so Wilson and Fields, there's a debate between two or three. And I know you had Wilson ranked two. I had Fields ranked two. 
But what makes this more interesting than not is it's very rare to see a quarterback of Fields caliber, a guy who's a dual threat athlete, can win on the ground with his legs, can hit pretty much any throw on the field, like he showcased at Ohio State, slip all the way down to 11. The potential there is really off the charts. And a lot of people kind of talk about, well, the Bears gave up an additional first-round pick to move up nine spots. But we have to understand is that that's the way that teams value these first-round draft picks now, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Teams are willing to say, hey, listen, if there's a player that, especially a quarterback, that we can trade up for and it's only going to cost us an additional first round pick, let's go ahead and just pull the trigger because when it comes to quarterback, you're not making a one-year investment. You're not making a five-year investment. You are hoping to make a 15 to 20-year investment is what you're doing. And so for the Bears, it made more sense to give up a 2022 first round pick than have to just sit there and wait and hope that fields would be taken by another team. Yeah, absolutely. We got reports right after the draft, in fact, that, you know, there are other teams looking to move up to get Justin Fields at 11 or they were targeting Fields with their first round pick. Uh, so it makes sense for the Bears to go up and make this move. And I'll, I'll list the teams right here. You know, we got rumors before the draft that the Patriots, they were interested in Justin Fields and they were looking to move up uh, potentially to go get him. But we found out actually after the draft that the Vikings were very high on Justin Fields and were targeting him at 14. Now, there's some mixed reporting on whether they made an offer to trade up and get uh, Justin Fields, whether it be at 11 or earlier in the draft, but they were there at 14. Uh, so the Bears, you know, if they don't jump the Vikings there, I doubt they, were, they would be able to trade back with uh, the teams at 12 and 13 there, if I'm not mistaken. I think the picks were there were the Cowboys who traded back once and then uh, the Chargers who were looking for an offensive lineman. And Rashawn Slater fell into the lap, so they weren't trading out of that pick regardless, I think. Um, but, yeah, so the Bears, they had to make this move. And I'm glad they did because you look at where this team was, this franchise was before the draft here. They, it, I described it in our live stream as a rudderless you know, ship, a rudderless franchise. They weren't going anywhere. They didn't have a direction. You know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were on the hot seat. Were they going to be here after this year? This roster is getting older. You know, salary cap issues are probably going to have to blow it up, you know, at some point here, kind of bite the bullet and you know, get another rebuild going here. You know, and Dalton's kind of brought in as kind of like a stopgap for a year. And now they get the young quarterback. And that gives them a ton of options here going forward because now they have a franchise quarterback. They, they hope, I guess they, you could say they hope they have a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract that gives them a four to five year window where they can build a contender once again. So it, it puts them in a situation to where they're kind of locked into this roster that with these older guys, this defense and some of the veterans on this team for uh, another year or two, uh, we look at 2021 and 2022. But even then, still, you can write it out here for this last couple of years with this defense here with some of the core guys on that unit. And then that gives you the flexibility after that year to really go all in around Justin Fields and create a new version, a new version of this Bears team centered around a franchise quarterback. And when you look at Justin Fields here, I think this is a perfect fit for him because while I do think he's ready to play right away compared to some of the other quarterbacks in this class, like I think uh, compared to, let's say, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, I think Justin Fields is more ready to play than those three guys. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he should be necessarily thrown to the fire right away. So if you look at it here, you have Andy Dalton here for a year. 
you have Nick Foles as a backup that can help mentor and, and help, uh, you know, a guy like Justin Fields learn the game a little bit uh, while he's adjusting to the NFL. Uh, but with that said, I mean, you can start Andy Dalton for the year here, but if Justin Fields is ready to go, I don't think Andy Dalton is good enough to, you know, force uh, Justin Fields to sit on a bench. So it's really a situation to where, you know, if he's shown some things where he's not quite ready yet to start, you can sit him for, you know, a few games here or the entire year if Andy Dalton plays well until he's ready to go. But if he's playing well in camp and he's showing out to be that kind of star talent that we all think he can be, you know, you put him in there right away, you know, put him into the fire there and let him go to work there and see what he's got. And I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out here in training camp for the Bears here because he could go a variety of different direction. Either way, I'm just excited that they have a franchise quarterback. And this seems different than some of their other quarterbacks, uh, quarterback moves in the past in the first round of the draft when you look at, you know, the Mr. Trubisky's of the world, you know, trading for Jay Cutler. Uh, Rex Grossman in the first round, Cade McDown for some of the older older Bears fans that were around for that one that disaster. Uh, even Jim McMahon, who was you know seems like seems like a Heisman uh, candidate at BYU. This is a little bit different than that either because you know Justin Fields has, has been a prospect that's been hyped up since high school. This is a guy that has been uh, right out there with Trevor Lawrence as you know one of the top quarterback prospects that we've seen over the last few years in college football. So it, it's really fascinating because just there's just a, a ton of excitement in the Bears fan base that wasn't there. Like literally, it was the de- it was the exact opposite. It, this fan base was ready to absolutely destroy Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. You know, call for them to be fired. You know, butcher their draft to pieces. You know, call them out all these ridiculous dumb names or whatever, and um, you know want them, want them out of here basically. And now we're in a situation to where, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nacky, they probably saved their jobs here for another few years here by making this move. And, you know, Bears fans, it, it feels good because it, you know, it's exciting once again to be a Bears fan. And that's something that we haven't had here since 2018, I think. You're right. It is definitely exciting. I think also when you look at it in terms of training camp and the competition, the Bears kind of put their foot down because – Nagy doubled down on this. Pace also doubled down multiple times on draft weekend because everyone knows that Justin Fields is more talented than Andy Dalton just in general. But also when we look at it, I mean, the guy that's going to be spearheading the Justin Fields project, as I like to call it, is head coach Matt Nagy. And if you guys missed the news for the listeners, you should know that Matt Nagy's had his eye on Justin Fields since the 2020 draft process when the bears were looking at Ohio state prospects like JK Dobbins back then, Matt Nagy's eyes kind of caught on to Justin Fields and Nagy's actually very close to Ryan day. The two have a relationship because they played college football against each other. But what's really interesting just overall is this is I think what's going to happen is this is you are going to see Andy Dalton come in and start whatever five, six, seven games because the bears realize that they've been here before. They tried to do this with Mike Glennon didn't exactly work out. And so now you have a guy in Justin Fields that you know is a franchise caliber quarterback and you have to slow it down and you have to do things the right way. And this is more so about doing things the right way and getting Justin Fields the mental reps that he needs than it is about just throwing him out there and seeing what he can do with the football in his hands. Because we've seen what he can do with the football in his hands. It's just a matter of, hey, is he going to be able to understand the and process the mental aspect of the NFL game fast enough to warrant kind of taking that next step. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see that development because that was one of the things that kind of uh, one of the negatives in his game. I thought at Ohio State, you know, it's not the, again. I'll, I'll say this over and over again. You know, Justin Fields is not a one read quarterback, which is you know it's ridiculous to say that he is a pure pocket passer that goes pr- through progressions and can make full field reads and make complex reads and all that stuff. It's just that he happens to at times be a tick slow with his processing. He'll be a little late to things. He'll, he'll get to the right decision. He'll, he'll just make it a little bit late sometimes. So getting that process just sped up a little bit. And I know some people have mentioned that some of that is because of the Ohio State offense. May or not be true. I don't know. We'll have to just see what, what happens when we get to uh, the NFL here. But, um, I mean, yeah, obviously Matt Nagy is going to be is really excited for this, you know, because you mentioned it here. This is all about him. He was a guy – he was really high on Justin Fields even before uh, the 2019 season. I think Ryan Day mentioned that Matt Nagy was interested in Justin Fields before 2018 even the season even began, which kind of lets you know how Matt Nagy already felt about Mitch Trubisky at that point, that he's already has his eye on a different quarterback uh, back before, you know, Mitch Trubisky starts his second season as an NFL quarterback for uh, Matt Nagy or second year with Matt Nagy in his system there. So that kind of lets you know how uh, Matt Nagy already felt about Mitch Trubisky, but, you know, kind of moving on from that there. Um, I'm excited to see what Maggie, what Matt Nagy has, you know, in mind for Justin Fields and what his vision is for this offense going forward. Because, you know, you look at this offense for the Bears here, it's been a lot of dink and dunk underneath stuff with Mr. Trubisky and uh, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, all the other quarterbacks here over the past few years. You know, not a lot of explosive plays. We saw in 2018 that they did start the year bombs away that year. And it was, they were very aggressive, going for big deep shots all throughout the season. And then 2019, 2020, they kind of shifted this thing. 2019, it was uh, definitely they went more to a you know underneath passing game. You know, teams just did not respect Mr. Risky's deep ball whatsoever. Um, and he missed, you know, it wasn't the fact that Mr. Risky wasn't hitting those deep shots. He was missing them with accuracy issues, but he wasn't seeing the field. He wasn't seeing the deep shots available to him uh, when they were there. So in 2020, they completely revamped the offense again to more of a Shanahan style uh you know, outside zone play action bootleg system to kind of simplify things for Mr. Trubisky and get him on the move a little bit. And, you know, I think they'll incorporate that a little bit here with Justin Fields as he gets uh, used to the NFL game and gets, uh, you know, works on his processing a little bit as he kind of adjusts the speed of the game. Uh, but I think we're going to be going back to more of what we saw in 2018, where, you know, Nag is going to be super aggressive here with a vertical passing game, trying to spread these guys, uh, these defenses out with their speed guys, uh, opening things up for Allen Robinson, the tight ends, and Anthony Miller of the world in the middle of the field to get yards after the catch. Um, you know, Darnell Mooney, I feel great for him because he finally has a quarterback that will be able to not only uh, hit him on deep shots consistently, but will actually look his way consistently and, you know, actually throw him the ball, which will be nice. Uh, so I, I feel awesome for that. I can't wait for uh, all those deep connections with Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney, but yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you look at Justin Fields here, he played in a, you know, drop back, you know, take a deep drop offense and out of the shotgun, you know, and it was a very aggressive vertical passing game at Ohio State. He was asked to basically sit in there for as long as possible and take shots down the field. And, you know, that's one of the issues with Justin Fields. He is a little bit over aggressive looking for the deep kill shots. Uh, he's going to have to work on, you know, getting through to his checkdowns a little bit faster and being willing to take the check down um more often but uh you know Matt Nagy described this in his uh, post-draft com- uh, press conference he was asked you know about the touchdown the, the check down mentality that he kind of emphasized Mitch Trubisky 
over the years. And he was like, you could tell he was excited. He was like, no, no, no. I think instead of touchdown to check down, we're going to call it touchdown to touchdown mentality because that's the way he sees. I think he sees this as Justin Fields has the ability to do what I want in terms of taking shots down the field and being aggressive and, and trying to go for uh, big plays, big explosive plays in the offense. I'm really excited to see what he has to dial up for this because I, I do think Matt Nagy can dial up an exciting vertical passing game. We, we've seen him do it in the past. He had to shift it with his quarterbacks, uh, with, uh, with Mr. Trubisky struggling with that stuff uh, in 2018, 2019. And that kind of changed things a little bit for them. But I'm excited because this is a guy that obviously you can tell that Matt Nagy is excited about. And that really gets me uh, pumped for this because uh, I, I think Nagy, I think he is an underrated offensive mind. I think he gets too much flack for some of the offensive struggles. And obviously some of them are on him over the past few years, but I, I think he is for the most part, a smart offensive mind. I, I'm excited to see what he does with a quarterback here um, that, you know, he targeted specifically and um, can scheme the offense the way that he wants. I mean, at least we'll, at some point, I guess we'll find out whether he's the offensive mind. I think he's a build as, I guess that's a good way to put it here, but uh, yeah, overall, just I'm really excited to see that aspect of things with the way this offense will look going forward. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting to see. And you mentioned the guys like Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, even Allen Robinson. I think when we look at this West Coast spread type offense, because again, the Bears are trying to run a system that's very similar to the Chiefs. Just the issue has been over the last couple of years, they haven't had the quarterback. I will say this. I think that when you go back and you watch Justin Fields' tape at Ohio State, one of the major plays that really stuck out to me was in the college football playoff against Clemson, where he kind of hit Chris Olave on the deep post. And I think that those are the types of plays and the throws downfield that you are going to see guys like, you're going to see an increase in production essentially from guys like Darnell Mooney, guys like Anthony Miller. I mean, those are the major throws downfield that Fields has proven he could hit in the past. And I think just watching him at Ohio State over the last two years in general, one thing's become clear to me. Fields is a player that can hit ultimately any throw on the field. And yeah, there are times where you look at some of his ball placement and you're like, okay, well, you know that that window in the NFL is going to be significantly smaller. But at the same time, another thing with him is he just leads his receivers into throws. So he knows and anticipates where the window is going to be where do I need to place this ball to allow for the wide receiver to go ahead and make the play and then also his running ability as well I don't think is talked about enough I mean there's the one play where he literally sprinted down the field to block for one of the Ohio State mm -hmm. running backs in 2020 and so that dual threat mobility as or the his ability to be just as mobile as he is is perhaps one of the most underrated aspects of his game because then you have a player that you can open up the offense in such a way where you could call basically any play, run any type of scheme, and Fields is likely going to make it work. Yeah, I think opening up the playbook is the right way to put it. I think that's the main thing here. What Justin Fields allows here, because of his experience, you know, playing, you know, he plays like a high-level quarterback in the sense that, you know, he goes through full field reads. He's not playing in a simplified offense, I think. That a lot of college, college quarterbacks are so uh, concept wise I, th I think he's more ready than a lot of people think that he is at this point of his career which is exciting but in terms of the physical aspect of things he absolutely opens up everything because he has the arm and accuracy like you said to throw to all three levels of the field and be dynamic there and then the athleticism you talk about there that's another very exciting thing they can get on the move on um, bootleg action they can do uh, zone read stuff rpos and things of that nature 
just I, th- I think Matt Nagy is going to be like a kid in the candy store trying to, you know, scheme up ways to get Justin Fields involved in terms of, you know, putting him in, in ways where he can create big plays with both his arm and his legs for this offense. And I, that's going to be exciting for everyone else because it opens up things for everyone on the offense um, in particular, if Justin Fields is that guy. And I think he end up, end up will be, he will end up being that guy uh, in my opinion. So you say we have to move on to some of the other picks in this class and go over them. Uh, we can we can gush about Justin Fields, I think, all day, but we should be getting on to some of these other picks because the Bears did make you know six other you know selections in this draft. So I'm gonna get your you know quick grade on on the Justin Fields pick when you factor in the trade up as well. You know what's your grade on uh, the Bears getting their franchise quarterback here in Justin Fields? Yeah, I'm gonna give it an A plus plus, and the reason I'm gonna give it an A plus plus is because when you look at just the entire process, I mean, he started falling out of the top 10 and then the bears really only had to give up one first round pick for him. And then what else did they give up? I mean, they gave a fifth round selection in 2021 and then they gave up a fourth round selection in 2022. So really you gave up Justin Fields for a first round or you got Justin Fields for a first round pick and some change. And it's very interesting because leading up to the draft, there was a lot of talk about, Hey, if the bears are going to make a trade up or if a team's going to trade up from 20 to let's just say, the top 10, they were going to have to give up two first round picks. No, the bears got it done at a very cheap price. And I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I'll mention it again. This is a 15 to 20 year investment that you're hoping that you've made, not a one or five year investment. And so for the bears, they were totally content with saying, Hey, listen, if we're going to hit on a franchise quarterback, you know what? Next year's first round pick in a lot of ways doesn't really mean much to us anyway, because we're going to be going all in on Justin Fields next year. And we're still going to have much of our core, like Eddie Jackson and Khalil Mack under contract guys like Darnell Mooney as well. Ultimately that's what it came down to. So people argue and say, well, they did give up a lot. I don't think that they gave up as much as teams, as much as other people think that they did. Yeah, I don't think I could say it any better. This is, uh, like like you said, you say this is an A++ for me as well. And it's for everything that you mentioned, you know. They didn't have to overpay, I thought, um, to go get their franchise quarterback. That first-round pick was going to be used on quarterback, I feel like, next year anyway. So you're basically just using it this year to get your guy, which, you know, I don't mind in the size. Like you said, this this opens up a window for the Bears now. And it provides the Bears hope for the first time. So A++ here, going up to get Justin Fields. If they were to just do this in this draft and, and not get anybody else, I think it would have been a really quality draft here for the Bears, assuming that Justin Fields does end up, you know, hitting for them. But there are, like you said, you said there are six other picks here. Like, well, like I, like I said, I guess, but there are six other selections here in this draft. You said, and the Bears, uh, they were not shy in terms of you know being aggressive once again. Once we got to day two, we talked about in our live stream that it would have been wise for the Bears to trade down at 52, try and get some more draft capital after trading up to get their franchise quarterback to try to fill some other needs in this roster. Well, Ryan Pace decided, nah, he's not, he's not about that. He's looking to swing for the fences once again. He did it once again, trading up from 52 to 39 in the second round, uh, trading 52, 83, and 204 to the Carolina Panthers for 39 and 151 from them. In order to get Tevin Jenkins off of the tackle from Oklahoma State, you know, Tevin Jenkins was one of my favorite players to watch in this class just because the physicality, the mauling nature, the physicality, um, the meanness he brings to the position of offensive tackle in the run game and in pass protection as well. Uh, 
something that the Bears sorely needed on their offensive line. And, you know, I did not think Chet Jenkins would be available this far in the draft. He was a first-round talent for me. My offensive tackle five in this class, but it was really interchangeable with him and Cosme at four and five. And, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later here when we talk about, you know, the other offensive line pick the Bears made in this draft. But Juan Castillo, clearly the offensive line coach here, he clearly wants to add more meanness and physicality to these to this offensive line here with their selections in this draft here. And, and nobody exemplifies that more than Tevin Jenkins here. Uh, probably the most, the biggest badass in this class in terms of as being a run blocker, uh, absolutely mauls people. And, you know, this is an interesting start strategy here for the bears, because we knew there was going to be a run on offensive tackles at some point in the second round. And the bears were able to get ahead of it here. This is really the pick that really started the run on tackles in the second round. And it was clearly Jenkins was a guy that they wanted. Ryan Pace mentioned that he was their number one player on the board at the time they got into the second round. Uh, I think he would have been their pick at 20, actually, if uh, they ended up staying at 20 and not trading for Justin Fields. So they get a guy that they were already probably targeting at 20 in the first round. They get him the second round here. So now the Bears, you know, you, you try to get your quarterback in the future. And what do you do next to kind of help him out there? Because you, you need to help him out there. You need to surround, surround him with talent. Go up and get an offensive tackle to protect him. And, you know, get a, get a long-term solution there for a position that Ryan Pace really has not uh, put a lot of resources into during his tenure here as uh, the GM. You're right. Has not put a lot of resources into the offensive line as a tenure with during his time as Bears GM. I mean, look, the, I, and I said this months ago that the second round ultimately has always been the sweet spot for Ryan Pace to kind of pull a trigger on drafting an offensive lineman because – did it with Cody Whitehair and James Daniels in 2016 and 2018. And now you do it with Tevin Jenkins in 2021. What the bears are getting in Tevin Jenkins is a strong, powerful mauler, kind of like you described it. He's going to be a player that while he primarily played on the right side of Oklahoma state's offensive line, playing right tackle, he does have experience. Seven starts to be exact playing at left tackle He's also played some other positions on the offensive line as well. I think he played every position but left guard and center, if I'm not mistaken. But with Jenkins, I think what's going to happen is the Bears are going to try him out at left tackle because on Saturday night, Ryan Pace, when asked about Charles Leno Jr., he didn't really say for sure, hey, we're going to cut Charles Leno Jr. He didn't really commit and say, no, we're keeping Charles Leno Jr. He really just dodged the question. But then when asked about Tevin Jenkins – what he did say was, we are experimenting right now with Tevin in terms of do we want to play him on the left side or the right side? I think that Monday morning, as soon as the Bears went ahead and they cut Charles Leno Jr., it became very apparent that they're ready to go ahead and play Tevin Jenkins on the left side because they believe that he can fit there as well. And I think when you have an offensive line guru like Juan Castillo, the OL coach, anything is possible when it comes to a player of Jenkins caliber. Now, regarding the trade-up, I was a bit shocked at first that they gave up the their third-round pick as well. But then at the end of the day, the other half of the argument is also this, that, hey, they got a player that not even for the Bears, but just consensus the NFL draft community had him going as a top 20 pick. And that rarely happens where you get a top 20 pick that slips all the way down to 39. So really with the bears, what it was, was this is they got their quarterback of the future. And now they have their hopeful franchise left tackle of the future as well, that they're going to continue to build around. 
this Jenkins pick, I think we're going to look at it and say it was one of the more underrated picks in the 2021 NFL draft. And we're going to be questioning how did Jenkins slip all the way down to 39 overall? Yeah, that, that's a shocking thing for me because I thought for sure Jenkins was going to go in the first round. And uh, when he got out of the first round, I, I was you know, really shocked with that. I, I couldn't believe that he got out of the first round. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, you know, you get your franchise quarterback and your franchise left tackle. And if you do that, especially two guys that are graded as, you know, top 20, top 25 talents in a draft class. I mean, you look at that, that's an absolute steal of a draft. I and mean, right there, those two picks define this draft class, in my opinion, because like you said, you get your franchise quarterback and you get your left tackle to protect him long-term. Now it is a bit of a risk for me with Tevin Jenkins, you know, just put him out there at left tackle right away. I think there are going to be some growing pains for him as a rookie. Um, but in terms of what he's going to bring to the bears right away, I think, that nastiness that this Bears offensive line desperately needs because they've been more of a finesse offensive line over the past few years. And we've seen against teams with good defensive lines uh, or big physical defensive lines, I should say, they just bully them around. Um, I think it will be exciting for the Bears to go back to actually being the bullies once again on their offensive line. I think Jenkins could represent a complete, you know, not only like a skill set change, but a total shift in attitude for this offensive line units where they're going to be the, t- the unit that's going to be dominating the line of scrimmage uh, for 60, 70 plays a game and really setting the tone physically, uh, you know, going into, you know, these games here. And that's really what this pick is all about for me. It's not just protecting Justin Fields. I mean, that's the important thing here. You want to protect Justin Fields, but it's about an attitude change for this Bears offensive line and getting it to a point to where they are the ones dominating out there. And Jenkins, with his badass attitude, and we, we saw him in his press conference, this is a guy who's not going to mince words here. He is going to tell it like it is that he is going to try and bully you for however many plays he's out there, for how many how many snaps he's out there blocking. Uh, and, and it reflects in his tape, too. This guy is just a guy who's looking to humiliate defenders and get him on the ground as many times as possible. And you just love to see that type of attitude here. But I am interested to see, you know, what their plan here is with the offensive line here with him at left tackle. Because, again, like I said, it could not only is, is offensive tackle a tough position to adjust to as a rookie anyway, but he's switching sides here. So he was, he was a right tackle at Oklahoma State. You're putting him at left tackle. Now, he did have some experience at left tackle at Oklahoma State. It wasn't a lot. Um, but I do think physically he does have the ability to – play the position and play the position at a high level. That's not the issue here. Uh, it's just going to be uh, a bit of a, a change for him. And I hope that he's able to adjust and get that corrected um, because there is a lot of upside here. And I'm excited to see um, how he pairs with Cody Whitehair on that left side, because Cody Whitehair, I think he's going to stick at left guard. Um, you know, the left side of that offensive line you're looking at right now, it may be a little bit shaky at times in 2021, just because, you know, Jenkins is a rookie and he's going to need that adjustment period. But uh, 2022 and beyond, that's going to be a scary duo on that left side of the ball. And not, not only in terms of, you know, pass protection, protecting Justin Fields, but, you know, the Bears are going to be able to run, get a lot of big runs from that duo right there, opening up holes for David Montgomery or all their other running backs that are going to be on the roster here. And uh, I'm excited to see how they pair together because, uh that should be a very exciting front um, to see the Bears kind of build their offense around. It is going to be exciting. I think right now, if I were to look at what the Bears starting five could look like, we're going to have Tevin Jenkins on the left side, 
Cody Whitehair or James Daniels at left guard? I would lean more towards James Daniels. That would put Sam Mustafer at center. And then right guard Cody Whitehair. And then right tackle, I think, could be Jermaine Effetti just because the Bears re-signed him this offseason at, I think it was like a one-year, $5 million deal. Now, I think that an intriguing name to keep an eye on as a guy who could surprise a lot of people and start, and there has been some buzz about him, but I would not be surprised to see a player like Alex Bars starting for the Bears at some point in 2020 or just become a starter throughout the season because Bars did showcase potential when he got limited reps in 2019 as well as in 2020 and in 2020, I mean, they used him at left guard. They used him at center. They used him at right guard as well, which really shows the bears like what bars versatility is now. That is going to be one of the things to really continue to watch here because there's not really a set combination of offensive line for the bears. You have a lot of different ways it could go. I mean, right now, just looking at it and rookie mini camps this weekend, but we're going to have, I think, there's three or four solid offensive line combinations for the Bears to consider right now. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what they do there, especially considering that their next pick in this draft all the way in the fifth round at 151 was another offensive lineman, Larry Borum, out of Missouri. Uh, so before we get to that draft pick to discuss there, uh, what is your grade for the Tevin Jenkins selection? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm giving it an A- just because – I do have to factor in the fact that they traded up once again. And, you know, Ryan Pace, I think he's in a situation to where he needed to, you know, keep as many of his picks as possible um, and try to trade down here or at least stay there and keep your second, third round pick. But, you know, I, I tweeted this out here. I, well, I don't like the trade up necessarily uh, just because I feel like uh, that's a, you know, it's a good amount of value to give up um, for one player and taking a risk there. Basically you're hedging your bets at Jenkins is going to be the best tackle out of the guys that were drafted in this second round area there. Uh, but I do love, I love the pick. I love Jenkins. I love his fit here in this offense. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. None of my issues with this pick are that. It's just trading up there and then immediately moving into the left tackle to where he wasn't a left tackle in college, really. You know, th- th- there's a big risk to take. And Ryan Pace, we know that he's willing to be bold here. This is another bold move for him. You know, I think there's a ton of upside here. I like the move as a whole. That's why I'm giving it an A-. minus. Uh, but there is a, some risk here. So before we get to Larry Borum here, another offensive line selection, what's your grade for Jenkins here? And, and how do you think that factors in here now that they added another offensive lineman in this draft with Larry Borum in this draft? Yeah, so I'm going to give the pick an A. Now, I will say you are right. To make the jump from 52 to 39 is a bit rich. But then when you look at everyone who went from picks 33 to 38 prior to the Bears picking. Look, all those teams you could argue at one point or another, you had Jacksonville, the New York Jets, Denver, Miami, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New England Patriots from 33 to 38. All those players you could argue needed a offensive tackle of Jenkins caliber, but they just decided not to invest in him. And so when the board kind of began to fall the way that it did, the Bears realized, hey, all these teams are passing up on a player that a lot of people a lot of people had first round grades on. But he's here right now, so let's go ahead and make the trade up. And I think that when we look at this, and we'll get to the boring pick in a moment here, this kind of signals really a changing of the guard in Chicago because we talked about how the Bears have invested so much into the defense over the last couple of years under pace. It's come at the expense of the offense. And now you have your 
quarterback as well as your offensive tackle, two really solid building blocks. And for Bears fans and the Bears in general, there has that it's been a very long time since that we can say that, hey, there's a franchise caliber quarterback and offensive tackle on the roster right now. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. That leads us to uh, day three of this draft for the Bears here because they did not have a third round pick. They did not have a fourth round pick in this draft. Uh, so we had to wait all the way to 151. It was a long time uh, waiting for the Bears to select again. And like I said before, they went offensive line again here uh, with back-to-back picks. Going with Larry Borum, offensive tackle out of Missouri. Now, Borum's an interesting player. Uh, we're going to get through these day three picks a little bit quicker, I think, than uh, you know Jenkins and Fields here. But Borum, he's, uh, it's weird because he's kind of a weird fit because he played tackle at Missouri. But you look at him, he might be better – you know, a better fit at guard at the next level just because he's not the lengthiest guy. Uh, he's a guy that uh, has a little bit of slow feet as a bigger player, but he's, again, he's another guy, six foot five. He played around 335 in college, but he apparently he trimmed down all the way to like 315 in the offseason. I like completely reshaped his body. And that was kind of one of the things that sold the Bears and, and offensive line coach Juan Castillo on selecting him here in the fifth round. You know, Borm was a guy that I had my eye on as a sleeper in this draft just because I liked uh, – he was, he was a good – he had good natural athleticism at Missouri despite his size, the fact that his body needed some work and he needed to get into better shape with his conditioning um, at Missouri. But he was a guy that, you know, just mauls people in the run game, uh, very athletic moving in space uh, on his initial first step, uh, very explosive first step out of his stance, uh, very good in outside zone, uh, pass protection, you know, he doesn't look the prettiest at times, but he doesn't lose many reps there. Um, he's a guy that needs a lot of work. I don't think he's going to be anyone that's going to be, that's going to be starting right away. Uh, but when you talk about how the way this offensive line is going to shift out or shape out, I should say, uh, you know, Jermaine Effetti is probably going to be starting at right tackle in year one, but Borum is a guy that they might be seeing him as a, as, as a guy that they're going to groom to be a starting right tackle down the line in the future here. And that wouldn't surprise me one bit. He's a bit of a project. I need to work on a lot of things here. But Steele, I tweeted this out, clearly has a type with his offensive lineman. He wants big, physical, nasty, mauler types that are going to be, you know, trying to push people, bully people around the run game. And, you know, they're just, you know, fine in the pass protection aspect of things. That's fine. But, you know, he wants to completely control the line of scrimmage with the physicality aspect of things um, on the offensive line there. And Borum is just just another extension of that uh, to allow him to do that. Yeah, Borum's very interesting because some while he did play right tackle at Missouri, people think that at the NFL level, his best suited position is going to be right guard. And he actually didn't even start playing football until late in his high school career, I believe. But Borum, another player, like you mentioned, is big, nasty, physical, a mauler. What the Bears are doing with Jenkins and Borum is they're finally saying, hey, listen, we need to get an offensive line up front that is going to be physical, that is going to impose their will. Because what that does is this, is it basically opens up 
your running game as well. And it's going to open up the running game because you have a hard runner in David Montgomery who's been cheated out of so much production over the last two seasons simply because the offensive line was missing assignments. The offensive line wasn't getting enough push. Now, Borum, in my opinion, he needs to refine some technical aspects of his game. And I think that when you work with a guy like Juan Castillo, that necessarily shouldn't be a problem. I think with Borum, he's going to be a rotational player in year one. Maybe they decide to use him at swing tackle, but what's really going to happen is 2022 is going to be the year that we see him rise. So he's a bit of a one-year project, but still nonetheless a really solid pick overall. Yeah, I think it was a good pick overall. There's some other offensive linemen uh, that I was kind of eyeing here. You know, Storm Forsythe out of Florida was a left tackle prospect that I thought would have been a good fit if they're looking for a pure pass protector in this class. But clearly, they want to go with more of a run blocking presence. Trey Smith was still on the board out of Tennessee. He was a guy, one of the best guard prospects in this class. But he, he fell in this draft all the way to the sixth round because of a blood clot issue. Um, but he was also on the board as, uh, uh, there as well. So I was kind of looking forward to uh, Ryan Payne's drafting one of those two players, maybe get an offensive weapon here, like at wide receiver. Uh, but you know what? Borum, I, I saw him as like a fifth-round talent in this class anyway. I thought that was a good value here to get him at this pick. You know, we'll see if it works out here. His fit on this roster is going to be very interesting. But you say, I don't know about you, I'm giving this grade, uh, this draft pick a grade of a B-. minus. Uh, I think it was good value overall. There's some other players I would prefer to go with, but – Borum, I think, like you said, he's probably a one-year project. And then, you know, whether he starts at right guard or right tackle to the future here, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he started for the Bears down the road here in the next few years. Yeah, I'm going to give the pick a B plus. I think when you look at it, what Chicago's doing is finally saying, hey, we need to invest in a positional group that essentially is one of the foundational aspects or the foundational pillars of building a really smart and well-rounded football team, which is the trenches. And you mentioned the Bears have kind of neglected the offensive line over the last couple of years. Well, hey, they double down here. I think that when you look at this draft class right now, forget Fields and Jenkins, the Bears got another solid contributor in Borum. Now it's about can they go ahead and can they develop him? Because Missouri is not a football school that is of the caliber of Ohio State or Oklahoma State or even Virginia Tech, for example. So Borum's a bit of a project here, but he's an exciting project that's worth taking a gamble on. Not like some of the project players that Pace has taken a gamble on in the past that have come from some no-name school that none of us have ever heard of or just players that no one's heard of that have so much wrong in their game. They're just projects that are going to be way too much work. But this is a solid one that Chicago got here in round five. Yeah, there's absolutely some upside here. There's definitely an avenue for him to get on the field. Um, You know, it might not be in year one, but we'll see what happens there in the future. Borum, adding more physicality and size to this offensive line, which they desperately needed. Uh, So that brings us to the sixth round here, you say. And the Bears had three sixth-round picks uh, going to the sixth round. They actually traded one of them to move up back to the fifth round with uh, the Tevin Jenkins trade. Uh, But, you know, their first pick was at 208, but they ended up trading down with that pick. Uh, to move down with the Seattle Seahawks to get 217 and 250 from them. So a six-round pick and a seventh-round pick. So they had three six-round picks and then a seventh-round pick. And with that first six-round pick they traded back for with the Seahawks, they end up drafting a running back here, which is very interesting here, getting Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. Uh, Very interesting pick because running back wasn't a knee on this roster, in my opinion. You have David Montgomery. You have Tariq Cohen under contract here for another couple of years. 
Uh, you have uh, Damian Williams, who you just signed in the offseason to be that kind of backup back, David Montgomery. And then you have Artavis Pierce in the background there as an undrafted free agent who uh, showed a couple of things late in the year last season. Um, you know, he could be in play for more playing time this season. But obviously, I think one of the one of the things that that uh, one of the things that you have to factor in here is that when you get to the sixth round, it's not really about addressing needs at this point. It's just about going best player available and finding players that you think can contribute down the road for you because none of these guys are expected to be day one impact players for you. More of these guys are special teams values, uh, developmental players with high upside, uh, depth pieces all that stuff. So you want to go best player available and get guys that you think can be long-term contributors for you potentially. And when you look at Herbert here, this is a guy that a lot of people were high on. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, for instance, EJ Snyder over at the Windy City Gridiron, uh, very high on Herbert, had him as his fifth best running back in this class, more of like a third, fourth round value here. Uh, PFF had him as a top 100 player in this class. Uh, for instance, Khalil Herbert is a very talented running back here. And, finally add some speed and dynamic big play home run ability to this bears backfield, which they haven't really had outside of Tariq Cohen, maybe who's more of a gadget uh, receiving weapon anyway, in the passing game anyway, he's not really a true running back. Khalil Herbert is a true running back. That is, I think is perfect for what the bears are trying to implement more here with an outside zone blocking scheme in the run game. Herbert's great in an outside zone scheme has a speed to get to the edge and, you know, break once he does break downhill, has the quick explosiveness to get the top speed and just break away in the open field. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle to his game, but he does break tackles. He runs hard, um, has some receiving value as well. And he was a kickoff returner at Virginia Tech as well. So he, he brings value as a kick returner. And this is key here because this is kind of like the replacing to Cordell Patterson, I think, as like a kickoff returner who can kind of double up as a backup running back as well with some big playability and Herbert, I think, is great value in the sixth round here. Um, I'm giving this pick an A, you say, just because you trade down to get him. And he's kind of he brings a different skill set to David Montgomery. David Montgomery is more of that tackle breaker, uh, chain mover, a guy who's going to get get a lot of those tough yardage there for you on first, second down, and can also be a weapon out of the pa- in the passing game as well. But Herbert is more of that big play threat. And one of the things I like about this here, even though it is a running back here, is this prevents the Bears from having to pay David Montgomery down the line in the future because, uh, you know, David Montgomery, he's probably going to have another big year this year, uh, you'd hope. Um, that's going to raise his price quite a bit. You don't want to pay running backs, in my opinion. And Khalil Herbert, I think he has starter potential as a running back here. So it gives you a situation to where you have this duo here for the next two years. You move on from David Montgomery after his rookie contract is up. And then you got two years of Khalil Herbert, who could very well be a starting running back in this league, in my opinion. Herbert's very interesting because it's like you mentioned. I mean, football career started out at Kansas, then went ahead and played just a year of football at Virginia Tech, I believe, as a grad transfer. But with him, what it is is this. is His biggest value for the Bears right now is going to come in solely as a kick and punt returner because when we look at the Bears the last couple of years, well, what happened? Okay, you invested $5 million into Cordero, a year into Cordero Patterson, which totaled the $10 million over two years. That is just too much for a kick returner. Other teams around the league have shown that you can take a flyer on a guy like Herbert on day three. You can bring in some undrafted free agent with the right coaching in place, the right developmental system. You can turn an undrafted free agent or late round pick into a very solid returner on special teams. And like I said, that's where Khalil Herbert's value is going to lie for the Bears. Now, 
looking at the other half of the pick, I think he also makes the rest of this running back room expendable because David Montgomery is going to be your featured guy. And you alluded to this as well, but Tariq Cohen's been a gadget guy. The Bears really have not had a true just one-two punch there in the backfield because Matt Nagy has shown he wants to place Tariq Cohen all over the field. And then you have a third guy there in veteran Damon Williams, who I think is just going to be a third down running back at this point or a third string running back. But overall with Herbert, he kind of makes the entire room expendable because he is a hard runner. He does break tackles, all right? He does kind of have the big play ability and the ability to be kind of just a home run hitter on any given play. So is he a threat to score every time he has the ball in his hands? No, but can he be the type of player that provides a significant spark to one of an offense that's been in the bottom half of the league in nearly every category over the last two years? Yes, he can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, Herbert, I think he's a good fit for this offense. And like I said, a different skill set here. So how would you grade the pick as a whole? I would give the pick a B plus. And the reason I go B plus is because I was a little surprised that they took a running back, even though they traded back because running back wasn't necessarily a need because they had Montgomery Cohen Williams Ryan all and Artavius Pierce. But then again, the other half of this pick is also about pushing Ryan all and Artavius Pierce, two guys that were former undrafted free agents that had minimal impact in 2020. Yeah, it's the one reason why it's not an A plus for me is because you know running back isn't a great need for this team. There are some other players I thought they could have gone with here, but uh Herbert, he has a fantastic value. I think he had something different to this uh team. He brings special teams value. And, you know, another plus to this, Ryan Nall never has to play for the Bears ever again, which I'm totally happy with, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, that moves us on to their second six-round pick at 221, where they went offense again here, getting another special teams guy with Daz Newsom, wide receiver out of North Carolina. Uh, interesting player here, Daz Newsom. So uh, he was a slot wide receiver in North Carolina, very good with the yards after the catch, not a guy who's a great route runner who's going to create explosive plays in the passing game for you down the field, but uh, he's a guy that, at UNC, they used him a lot on trick plays, screens, underneath stuff, and he got a lot of yak. He's, he's a big-time yak guy. I thought there was another great value here for the Bears here. I saw him as a fifth-round talent in this class, but I think what hurt him is that he had a, a, a really bad workout here at his pro day. Like, he ran like a 4 5 nine forty. Um, Agility scores weren't good. He's an undersized guy. Uh, but you just watch him play. He, he pops off on tape. Uh, he looks fantastic when he gets the ball in his hands. And he can make guys miss. And this is just one of those, you know, things where you're looking for wide receiver depth here. You want to get someone that can push Anthony Miller, I think. Um, and he adds punt return value as well. Because we saw when Tariq Cohen went down uh, uh, last year, the punt return game for the Bears absolutely suffered for the rest of the season. Uh, so Daz Newsom provides you a security blanket at punt returner, you know, because Tariq Cohen coming off that ACL injury, is he going to be ready to play right away um, with a full-time role that, that we saw in the past where he's returning punts and doing all these things on offense? I'm, I'm not sure. I think personally, I think what Matt Nagy wants to do is he wants Tariq Cohen to focus more so on offense this year to have more of a role on that side of the field while he's getting back to 100%. And that means Daz Newsom can be their punt returner full-time this year and add some value there, I think. Um, so Daz Newsom, I don't know if he's ever going to be a starter in this league. I think he could maybe be like a – uh, uh, rotational slot player for them. But I think the bigger thing here is like with Herbert, like you mentioned, uh, special teams is going to be where he gets on this roster here if he is going to make it. 
Deuce is very interesting because he does walk into a very loaded wide receiver room. And at best, you're looking at a player that could end up being a wide receiver five or six for the Bears during his rookie season, meaning he'd just solely be a special teams guy. But he was pretty productive, and the production increased over a four-year period at North Carolina. I think when you look at his best fit, it is going to be from the slot. He is able to separate effectively, a pretty good route runner, has some pretty solid hands as well. But I think where his biggest value lies is just in the fact that when he does have the ball in his hands, he is able to gain a lot of yards after the catch and pick up a lot of additional yards. That for Newsom is going to be really valuable as he does continue to carve out a role in the NFL, especially on the Bears. I think that though, just as a rookie, this is a really solid pick. He's a hidden gem in a lot of ways. In pace over the last couple of years, he's hit on a lot of these hidden gems. I think Newsom's going to be the next guy that we add to the list that includes guys like Nick Kwiatkowski, Adrian Amos, Bilal Nichols, that are going to be kind of these day three guys. We didn't really have high expectations for them, but then all of a sudden now they are turning into solid contributors for the bears. Yeah, absolutely. I think Newsom has a, a lot of, uh, he has a high floor as a player. I think he's somebody that will contribute for this team. I'm not sure he's ever going to be like a, a guy they feature in their offense or anything, but I think like you said, he's, he has, of all these guys here, he has a lot of potential to be a guy that really sticks out as, an, as another Ryan Pace day three steal. In fact, I think all these guys, uh, just a, spo- a spoiler here, had the potential to be, you know, patented Ryan Pace day three steals that we've seen gotten so used to over the years in these drafts. Um, Daz Newsom is another one of these guys. I, I like his value on special teams. I like what he does out of the slot as a yak guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see his role in the offense. I'm not sure he's going to have a big role in the offense this year, but uh, as a punt returner, I do like what he brings there. So that's where I see his value here. I'm giving this a pick. I'm giving this pick a B plus. Uh, what would you grade this pick, you said? I'm going to give it a B minus. I think that when you look at where the Bears got Newsom, really good value. Now it's just going to be a question of what is his true role going to be? Is he going to be a player that does develop into a hidden gem like I alluded to a couple of moments ago? Or is his ceiling just going to kind of be someone that just ends up being a special teams returner? Yeah, absolutely. And that that brings us to the last two picks of the uh, Bears draft here with 228 and 250. Um, So for those who haven't been, you know, haven't noticed quite as of yet. uh, So the Bears are first uh, five picks here for the Bears here were on offense. I think that was the first time the Bears have ever done that in their draft uh, ever in terms of going pure offense here in their draft here. So obviously you like that there in terms of building on Justin Fields uh, with their quarterback here, but the last two picks, they ended up filling some, uh, looking for to get some depth on the defense here. Um, at 228 getting Thomas Graham Jr., quarterback out of Oregon. And then in the seventh round, they got Kyrus Tonga, defensive lineman out of BYU. I'm going to start with Graham here because I absolutely love this pick. Graham was one of my favorite players on day three here. Um, he is my favorite draft pick for the Bears on day three, just because uh, they do need a starting caliber player in the nickel there at a cornerback. And Thomas Graham Jr., I had him as a fourth-round talent in this class. And to get him with what was pretty much a seventh-round pick, this is the last pick in the sixth round uh, that they got him here, to get a fourth-round talent, a guy who I think can start right away at nickel cornerback here, 
And what is the seventh round is an absolute steal. This is one of my favorite picks in this draft class. You know, we knew the Bears needed cornerback talent after uh, getting rid of Cal Fuller and Buster Screen in the offseason. Uh, this is an A-plus pick for me. Thomas Graham had a great senior bowl. He opted out of the 2020 season, but uh, he really showed out the senior bowl. He was He's sticky in coverage. He's got polished technique and man coverage. He's a very smart player in zone coverage. I think Sean Desai saw him and you know saw a guy that I think he sees as a guy who's going to start right away in their defense. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if we're looking at him as the best value pick in this draft class for the Bears. Uh, I, I think he has the potential to start right away. And to get that in the seventh round, essentially, uh, just fantastic value right there. And then Kyrus Tonga, uh, nose tackle for the Bears. Y'all just go you know, pretty quickly here. I, I gave that a B-plus grade just because uh, very good value in the seventh round. This guy has a lot of upside to be a wrecker in the run game. Uh, he's a two-down player. He doesn't bring much as a pass rusher, but just looking for insurance for Eddie Goldman there at nose tackle. I like that selection there. I think Kyrson is going to make the team as a backup rotational defensive lineman there. Um, and the seventh round, that's really good value. So B plus there. So what are your thoughts on those two picks and how would you grade them? You said. Yeah, I really like both picks. I think Thomas Graham Jr. You're adding a lot more competition to the cornerback room, but just a player overall that is really good in coverage. All right can essentially be a very hard hitter as well. I mean, he was very productive as a three-year starter while at Oregon. So, and he's really able to change direction very easily as well. Really solid pick. I think when you look at a guy like Graham, he would actually be an upgrade right now in the slot because the Bears are going to have Kendall Wilder and Duke Shelley kind of battle it out for that slot position, that slot cornerback spot. But Graham could come in and be an immediate impact player from day one. He's, I think, going to be another hidden gem. So I'm going to give that grade a B plus. And then Tonga from BYU. Chicago lost a lot of defensive line depth. The biggest loss they took on the defensive line was the DL coach, Jay Rogers, leaving to join his buddy Brandon Staley in Los Angeles. But really just another solid player overall. I mean, Tonga has a lot of size to him. And what that's going to do is it's going to benefit the rest of the defense because what you're going to have is this. You have a player that's six foot two, about 330 pounds. He's going to be eating up double teams, taking on blocks. And that's going to allow players like Roquan Smith, players like Khalil Mack, guys like Robert Quinn to just go ahead and continue to get after the quarterback and then really just disrupt offenses in general. Overall, Tonga's another in. He's an interesting pick. I think that he will be a rotational guy throughout the course of his NFL career, but really I would give this pick a B minus as well. Yeah, I think either way you look at it, just great value here in the uh, sixth, seventh round for the Bears here. Um, again, it's just a lot to like here in this draft class as a whole. And I think it's time that brings us, you say, to grading this class as a whole and giving our overall thoughts. So, I'll start with you, with you, you said, what is your overall grade for this draft class? And just what are your general thoughts here as we move into uh, the rest of the offseason here after the draft here? You know, what do you think this draft represents for the Bears as a whole, not only for this year, but going into future years? Yeah, I'm going to give the class an A+. And the reason I give it an A+, is because you have two really solid picks in Fields and Jenkins. And then you look at the rest of the Bears draft class. Like you mentioned, it's about value. But what's interesting about these other five picks is that all of them, I think, 
over the next three, four seasons, because that's how long they're all going to be under contract for. They should play some sort of role on the Bears, whether it's as depth, whether it's just as rotational players. Some of them are even going to develop into starters like Newsom and Graham, even Khalil Herbert and Borum. Overall, it's a very solid class. Yeah, I'm giving it an A-plus as well. And, you know, Ryan Pace needed a big draft here to save his job, I think, uh, going to this thing. Um, I kind of mentioned it in our uh, in our podcast, on the, on the regular Bear Report podcast, uh, that, you know, the Bears, while they didn't really improve a lot this offseason in free agency, they needed the draft, I think, in order to really get this team to improve, not only for this year, but going to the future as well. The draft is going to be huge for them. And Ryan Pace knocked out of the park here. He absolutely knocked out of the park. He swum big, and I think he hit a home run. Um, and uh, I have not—I tweeted this out here, but I don't have enough good things to say about this draft class here. You get your franchise quarterback in the first round without having to overpay. Uh, Justin Fields here, I think he's going to be the best quarterback. He has potentially be the best quarterback this franchise has ever had. And that's just very exciting here. We haven't had that type of enthusiasm, I think, for a quarterback. And a very long time, even with Mitch Trubisky, I know a lot of fans were, you know, a lot of fans got on Mitch Trubisky and were behind Mitch Trubisky and, and liked Trubisky a lot. But Trubisky and, and Fields aren't comparable at all as prospect. Justin Fields, uh, he's just different. And I, I th- I'm just really excited to see what he brings to the table here going forward and, and to kind of track his development here over the first couple of years or so. And then in the second round to get Tevin Jenkins, a, French, a potential franchise left tackle for you as well. In the second round, a guy who's going to change the attitude of this offensive line. Uh, absolutely, just with those two picks alone, that would be an A-plus for me, just because uh, you get your franchise quarterback, get the left tackle to protect him. Uh, two first-round talents, two legitimate top 20 to 25 talents in this draft class. It is very rare uh, for a draft to get uh, two players like that at those positions um, in the same draft. just doesn't happen. Uh, we'll see where those two end up in their careers. But uh, in terms of how we see this right now, uh, absolute home run first days of the draft for them right there. And then look at what they did on day three. Larry Borum, uh, fascinating pick. We'll see. But, you know, more offensive lined up there. But in the sixth, seventh round, I thought Ryan Pace, he should have just took it a bow after this because this was really high-level stuff here in the sixth, seventh round, getting more depth on the offense uh, with special teams value guys like Khalil Herbert, Daz Newsom. Getting legitimate starting caliber player, in my opinion, in Thomas Graham Jr. at quarterback uh, in the sixth round as well. And then Tonga there for more depth on the defensive line. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Ryan Pace here. He knocked it out of the park in this draft class. I think this is one of those classes we're going to look back on in four or five years here. And we're going to say that this draft you know, potentially changed the fortunes of this franchise here right here. This was the turning point for the Bears franchise here. Um, I think this class has every bit of the potential to reach that level of, uh, of, of draft class recognition here. And I'm just really excited to see how these players play out. Not all these guys are going to work out, obviously. You know, there's going to be some misses here. Some of these guys aren't going to make the roster long term. It is what it is. But in terms of where we stand right now, uh, I love everything about this draft class right here. A plus. Uh, I wish I could give it a higher grade, but uh, yeah, I just I love what they did here in this draft. Uh, Ryan Pace, I think him and Matt Nagy saved their jobs in this draft class right here. And I'm excited to actually see them on the field. We have a long time until we see that happen, but uh, it's going to be a very uh, exciting offseason, off I think, for the Bears. And talk about a, a total reversal of fortunes here for the Bears because we went to this draft 
Bears fans were just in a very low place. I thought like you just look at uh, Bears Twitter as a whole, everything was just completely negative here. And we've done a complete 180. Like there's so much positivity on Bears Twitter right now that uh, it just makes me excited as a Bears fan for this upcoming season where to where I feel like before this past weekend, that wasn't the case whatsoever. Right. And I want to add something on here. When we look at the Bears, I mean, you alluded to this, the fact that they spent their first five picks on offense. Well, the 2020 draft, they spent their final three draft picks on offense. So really the Bears, eight, they've had like, what, 14 draft picks over the last two years. I mean, eight of them have been spent on the offensive side of the ball and spending five straight or eight straight on offense, I should say, between 2020 and 2021, what it really signals is this, is that the Bears are now finally becoming a modern NFL franchise. They have invested in the defense for so long, done it at the expense of the offense. I know I've mentioned this multiple times, but it's cost them. And now with this draft class, specifically the 2021 class, what's happening is the Bears are becoming a modern franchise, doing things the other way around. They're investing more into the offense and saying, hey, defense, you guys are good enough, but we don't need you guys to be elite to win in this league. We need our offense to be elite. And that I think right there is perhaps my biggest takeaway from the 2021 draft class. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting times for Bears fans. Uh, I'm just really excited to see this group on the field. Um, we'll see what happens during the rest of this offseason here. There are still a lot of months ahead and a lot of moves to be made here for the Bears. But uh, after this weekend here, you have to feel good about this team. Uh, going into the rest of the offseason, going into the training camp. It's just a matter of can they put it together on the field. And really, it all hinges on can Justin Fields be the guy. And if he's the guy, we're going to look back at this draft class very positively uh, in the future. All right, you say, I think this is a good time to wrap it up here for this episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us at Picks for Pace on Twitter, at Picks for Pace, obviously, uh, and to get all of our updates on there. You say, where can they follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter and the rest of the social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I know we're getting into the slower portions of the offseason, but we just experimented with a live stream on Friday or Saturday, I believe. We're going to have more of those for you guys throughout the course of the offseason, so keep an eye out for that. Come interact with us on the Bear Report forums as well, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25 and find my work on the Bear Report as well. You know, I'm for those who uh, like my video breakdowns, I'm going to be trying to get some of those out, or some more film breakdowns out for this rookie draft class. I've Justin Fields. Hopefully you can get one out for Tevin Jenkins as well as some of these day three guys as well. But, you know, long offseason ahead for that type of stuff there. Um, if you guys would like to see that, let me know. Uh, you can DM me for that or any other ideas you'd like to see um, going ahead this offseason. But, um, you know, exciting times as we get move along here, like you said, said is really where it starts to slow down a little bit in terms of news and stuff like that. So on the podcast here for Picks for Pace, there's not going to be a ton to talk about here uh, going forward. But uh, I think what we're doing here over the next few weeks is uh, recapping some of the drafts in the uh, division here in the NFC North, kind of going over what some of the various competition did to improve their teams uh, in this draft and uh, get some more uh, details on some of these prospects. You know, we're, we're going to be talking to uh, interviewing a few guys who here who has some in-depth knowledge on these pro draft pros prospects here and uh, can give you guys some more information here as we kind of 
you know, get to know some of these new Chicago Bears players. So that's going to be exciting as well. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in on all uh, podcasting platforms here. Uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend uh, and bear down everybody. It's going to be a really fascinating off off season here as we move on away from the draft and transition to the 2021 season. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.